Welcome. Good evening. Good evening. I hope you are joining us today as we're going to have a candid conversation with two gentlemen. We have Mr. Douglas Lapsley and Bishop John D. Wallace, and we are going to talk about the importance of men seeking counseling. Um, I think it's a topic that needs to talk be talked about, and especially since we... Um, heard the story about the guy who killed himself and his three children. Um, I often wonder how much different that story would have been if he'd had somebody to talk to, help him process those feelings and emotions and understand that his feelings and emotions were real. They were real and he was entitled to have them, but to help him process them and, and channel them in a different way so that there would have possibly been a different outcome. And so I have gathered two men here who are open and honest and candid about men and men having problems and it's okay to have problems and it doesn't mean that you are weak or less of a man because you have problems, which, which leads to the title strength needs support because we think of men as being strong. They are the strength of the family. They are the leaders. They are all these titles, but we forget to remind them that you are human as well. And being human, you will have feelings and you will have emotions. I mean, even Jesus cried. You know, we saw when he cried when Lazarus died. We saw when he was going to the cross, how he was like, Father, if it's your will, can you take this cup from me? So he felt emotions and feelings, but that didn't make him any less of who he was. And so I think it's important that we have this discussion so that men see it is okay for you to have moments of um, weaknesses, moments of feeling emotions, hurt, pain, and all those things, but not suppress them, not channel them in negative ways, but seek out help. Help with a professional who can help you work through some things so that you don't have the outcome of, of that we see in the news so often. And one of the things I was reading about men not getting counseling, it says only about one third of people in therapy are, are men. And while over 14% of men in the U.S. experience a mental health issue, very few of them get help. Only 60% of depressed men go for treating, treatment, but over 72% of women who experience depression go for treatment. And even when men go for treatment, they don't follow through on the treatment plan. They tend to start and then stop, which leads to other consequences. And we'll talk about how that leads to suicide. I think the statistic says that um, women are more often to attempt suicide, but men are more likely to complete suicide. And the suicide rate is on, on the rise these days. We, we hear it all over the news and, and that's just what we hear. And I can promise you more than what we hear is happening. So we're going to get right into this discussion and we're going to start talking about um, men getting getting um, help and why it's important. So I'm going to start with um, I'm going to start with Douglas because Douglas is our statistic guy. He's going to tell us what the research says. So, Douglas, tell us about men and getting counseling and how that's taboo and how men um don't like to get help and, you know, tap into a little bit of African-American men specifically not getting the help they need. Well, I appreciate it, uh, Dr. McDaniels. Um, well, one of the statistics is, is that 22.1% of the U.S. population that are 18 and older uh, actually have a mental disorder but go un undiagnosed. 
Now, when you also translate to that African, uh, African-American community, there's a small portion of us that is in that particular 22.1% of the, of the U.S. population. Uh, one of the key things um, as far as for African-American man and why we are reluctant uh, to get therapy, uh, there's a couple of different components. One, there's a historical component. Uh, to uh, intergenerational transfer. You know, my father never got it. My father's father never got it. And, and we did just fine. And we held on and all these other particular things. Uh, another component is actual social culturization, how we are, you know, how we are taught as young black men to be strong, uh, you know, to to be able to endure and to actually suppress all of those things and just continue to push hard and push forward and you know, get your education, be a protector, be a provider, be, you know, be an asset. You be that rock that everybody stands upon. Uh, that's another component. And then you have the social economic component uh, as well. So all of those different factors that that come into play um, can make us reluctant to actually seek any help. And then plus, there's an area of just self-confidence and pride. Sometimes we feel like that if we go get therapy that it is a sign of weakness, which is a, a stigma in the mental health community uh, as we speak. Like we are the rock that everybody depends on, but if you see the rock actually getting help, am I as strong as what yeah. you think I am? Mm-hmm. So these are some of the barriers that, that the African-American man faces uh, in reference and you know being reluctant to therapy. Another component is culture. And the thing about it is in culture, even by the DSM-5, the Diagnostic uh, Diagnostic, uh, Statistic Manual of Mental Disorders, uh, one of the very key elements uh, dealing with the mental disorder or dealing with areas of therapy is culture. And what culture does is to interpret a framework for which we have our familiar norms, our worldviews, our perspectives, and our beliefs. So also the cultural component of that is that if we do not trust getting therapy or we have the worldview that therapy is a sign of weakness, we end up passing that down uh, within our culture as part of our social culturization construct. And then other black men and young other black people are also reluctant to get therapy. So um, there's many different components, but trust has to be, uh, as far as myself, uh, a big one as a black man. I got to be able to trust you. And if I can't trust you, it don't matter what technique you have. It don't matter how skilled you are. It don't matter how many degrees you have. If I don't trust you, your therapy is ineffective. So I think we need to eliminate uh, the stigma surrounding mental health in order for our people to actually trust in therapy. Uh, I think another area uh, that becomes a challenge is Okay, how do I actually find a good therapist? Or let's say that as a black man, I went to a therapist and it was just a bad experience. Twenty one percent also of people who do not come back for therapy after a first time visit is because of probably some type of cultural bias or they just didn't trust the individual. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of different things um, that we as men go through when uh, we're dealing with particular areas of getting therapy when we know that we need the help. Right. And so trust, you would say, is that biggest component that contributes to the lack of men seeking help? Trust is the, you would say, is the biggest or is there another one that has a high 
um, statistical rate of uh, men not the reason why men don't seek therapy? Well, you have those, you know, you have all the components that are that are lined up. So as a black man, let's say you as a black woman, you are a therapist. So that means as a black man, I have to be able to open myself up to you and be vulnerable enough to let you into my weaknesses. And I might be telling you something that I haven't even told my wife or my children or my family. Right. So that is where I need to be able as a, you know, as a client or as a patient, I need to be able to trust you to let you in, especially as a black man with the load that I carry. And especially now in today's society of how the black man is being perceived. And then now I have to go to therapy. So I'm already fighting the battles of what society thinks I am Mm -hmm. to validate their perspective of who they believe me to be versus my own perspective of who God says I am. Right. I know I am and what I do for my family. Mm -hmm. So with all these different hats that I wear, I have to be able to actually take them off be vulnerable and let somebody in with the areas that I'm dealing with. And that and is the, the biggest challenge. And in the past, you know, especially for black men, being vulnerable has been damaging in a lot of ways, especially if we think back to like the Tuskegee experiment um, exactly. in the medical field. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these guys gave their trust to professionals who were supposed to help them, but instead lied to them and mistreated them. And so that mistrust translated over to other areas of medical treatment to include probably mental health treatment. And so, you know, because of that history, some of that links to why today we still have that mistrust of medical professionals because counseling is considered a medical profession. And and just that, I, I think another thing too with, you know, growing up in, in a lot of black communities, it was, you don't tell what's happening in your house. You don't talk about what's going on. You don't talk about your weaknesses. You pray about it. You tell God about it and you keep moving. And so we we hear that. We tell it to our children. Our children tell it to their children. And so it goes down through these generations. And and when it's translated, nobody stops to say, let me let me retranslate what I've been told. Let me reevaluate what I've been told about getting help. And nobody stops to say it's okay to get help. It's okay to be be vulnerable, but I like that you brought the part out about trust. And I think, you know, um, there are a lot of, and I have heard in my profession, a lot of women who want their husbands to get counseling. I can, you know, my husband needs counseling. He needs to talk to someone, but I think some of that trust too begins with the household and being yes. able to trust the woman you're with. Um, and then it can bleed out to other women because guess what? The person I'm with tends to define how other people of that gender might treat me when I'm vulnerable. Yes. Um, Bishop, tell us a little bit about your perspective of men getting therapy and why you just on a lay term feel like, you know, guys just don't do it. Well, First of all, thank you for inviting me to be a part of this discussion because I think that it is very um, needed from my own personal perspective. And I'm not coming from the perspective of, uh, you know, somebody who has a name or a title. I just want to come from a perspective of just who I am in my own personal, you know, my own personal experiences. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I for me personally, one of the reasons why I didn't seek therapy was because I really didn't think I needed it. Mm -hmm. I thought that I was okay. You know, you know, 
it was always the other person's problem. You know, it was their attitude. It was their mindset. You know, they were wrong. Uh, it was their wrong way of thinking. I didn't really feel like I had an issue. I had a problem until finally I began to realize that I was involved in a never ending cycle of pain, destruction and defeat mm-hmm. uh, in every area of my life because I would not face the internal issues that I was facing with. And so, yes, I also agree that it is about trust. I didn't, I needed a safe place. Mm -hmm. I needed a safe place where I felt like I could expose the, I could expose myself to whoever my therapist was and then turn around and not let the information that I shared be used against me in a conversation. And sometimes even in relationships, that's why a lot of men don't talk to their wives or girlfriends. It's because they share, they say, Oh honey, I want, I want you to, I want you to talk to me. I want you to tell me your thoughts so we can talk it out. And then you turn around and bring that up later in a conversation and you use it as a point of accusation Mm -hmm. and a point of, as a matter of fact, Um, When that was a safe place, that was supposed to be a sacred place. And so when you break to me, when that trust was broken, when you turn around and use my secret against me to harm me, now I don't trust you anymore. So I'll never talk to you again. So I internalize everything. I keep those emotions. I keep that pain, that suffering, whatever that thought is, whatever that problem is, I keep it to myself. And then it just festers and grows. Um, And and, and, and a lot of times it leads to uh, behaviors. Mm-hmm. These two uh, behaviors that men do just to just to get a way of escape. You know, I was reading an article the other day about a man. Uh, the article said that it takes about 15 to 20 minutes for a sexual encounter to happen. Mm. But most men, when they go out and hire prostitutes, that prostitute will be with them for three or four hours. Wow. And so when they talk to those men, they said a lot of that time was just spent talking. Mm, mm. was just spent talking, was just spent having a conversation. So they Um, found a safe place. They found a safe place. Wow. They found a safe place. And for me, you know, I can personally confess I've done that. I mean, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. I've I've had that issue in my life before. And so I wanted a safe place just to relax, just to talk about the issues that were going on within me without judgment, Mm -hmm. without judgment, you know, um, it's so much pressure. It's so much pressure on men to be, to perform, to always be the rock of Gibraltar, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and the world is condemning us and telling us what we're not and that we're what we'll never become. And then we have to come home or to our places of dwelling, uh, either to our significant other or to our spouses and hear that same, that same con- condemnation. And mm-hmm. so here you are, I'm a grown man. I want to be all who I'm supposed to be. I want to be strong. I want to be the I want to be the man, the king of my house. But the queen or whoever is in my environment is not causing me to feel like uh, or to be in a place where I'm able to share the intimate parts of me. Mm-hmm. So what happens to so what happens to something under pressure after a while? It's going to break. It's going to break. So yeah. Yeah. what was it that led you to? got you to that point where you say, I need to talk to somebody. I need to talk to a professional. I need to, I need help. What got you to that place? And what was that experience like? Um, the pain and the trauma that I experienced mm-hmm. uh, in my last uh, marriage. Absolutely. 
-hmm. going through the divorce, going through the trauma, and me actually seeing the damage, uh, not only to me, but to my family, to my children, to mm -hmm. those who we had relationships with in our circle. Mm -hmm. um, I saw the damage, not only to that, but also to my ministry that it was caused because of my behavior, because of what I had done, you know, that, um, and I finally realized you got a problem and you need mm -hmm. to get some and either, and the only one that's going to be able to help you is you, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it can't be, you can't, you can't continue this cycle of passing the blame or what we call in the elementary school to, uh, to exceptional children. They call it emotionally dumping. You can't mm -hmm. emotionally dump on somebody else because right. you are too immature to deal with the man in the mirror. Wow. And, and I think it takes a very mature individual to say that I'm a mess. Mm -hmm. I need help. Mm -hmm. And I need to talk to somebody who can professionally tell me what in the world is wrong with me. Mm -hmm. So Bishop, you, you are a Bishop, you are a pastor, you have the titles, but yet you say, you, you know what? I don't need another Bishop. I don't need another pastor. I need somebody with some letters behind their name. That's going to help me work through this mess. What's the difference? Now, you know, I might get some phone calls and text messages when I say this, but I'm just going to be honest. Um, a lot of times pastors are pastors, but they're not counselors. Mm -hmm. um, they have not been trained how to counsel men, how to counsel women, rather. And everything that they do, they talk to it from a biblical, a biblical perspective. And I understand that. But some things are not biblical. Some things have to be addressed from a chemical imbalance standpoint. Some things have to be addressed uh, in the right manner to allow the person to go back in the recesses of their mind and think about their childhood. Think about what happened to them and how these events, these traumatic experiences, these, whether it was abuse, whether it was whatever happened and how those things happen, how it correlates to that behavior or that thought process or how they deal with people in simple relationship, not necessarily personal relationships, but in business, in ministry. Mm -hmm. And so I found that when I would talk to my fellow uh, members of the cloth, um, the only thing that they could deal with me from is from the biblical perspective, but they couldn't tell me how and couldn't lead me how to go back and deal with the, the, the little boy in me, John, who was really the problem. Mm -hmm. uh, and who, you know, for me, I had to go back and deal with that. Mm -hmm. And once I dealt with that, then I could move forward and build from that. But I could not, um, I couldn't, I, I couldn't find that in the church. I couldn't find, I mean, it wasn't until I found, I talked to a licensed person. And 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 I really didn't, to be honest, I didn't want a Christian therapist. I didn't mm -hmm. want a Christian therapist. And mm -hmm. um, uh, my therapist was a Christian, but she didn't, uh, you know, she didn't provide treatment to me based upon the Bible. Mm -hmm. She provided treatment to me based upon what was best for my situation. Mm -hmm. um, and so... Um, I would tell anybody, you've got to also find a therapist for you. You've got to make sure that whoever that person is, that you fit, that you are in sync with that person and you feel safe. I had a couple people I said, nah, you ain't going to work. Mm -hmm. I don't even like the way you look. No, this is mm -hmm. not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust you. Oh, so, um, I felt safe with her. I felt like I could be honest with her. And she allowed me to talk and about my issues and my problems. And she helped, she didn't answer any questions for me, but she helped bring out some points that I may not have thought about. Mm -hmm. And it was a safe place to say whatever I wanted to say, however I wanted to say it. 
in the way I wanted to say it. I could talk mm -hmm. about whoever I wanted to talk about in the midst of that conversation, however I wanted to talk about to him and not be judged because right. of my title. Because mm -hmm. at that moment, the bishop needed help. The right. bishop needed therapy. I needed treatment. Yes, mm -hmm. I had the Lord there, but he used her to help deal with the innermost parts of me so that I could be, I could become a better person. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I, th I think that's good because I don't think people realize that Christians commit suicide, too. We we have a, 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 a rate of Christians who commit suicide because, you know, they get into these emotional places and they don't know how to process it. But absolutely, I think and I think once we once you get into therapy and you start to dig into, you know, what happened in childhood that I'm still dealing with or I'm still processing then you have something you can pray about. You have something you can take to God and say, okay, I need healing from this thing. But if you don't get there to see that it's there, then you don't know how I like to play, pray strategically. Um, and so that, that helps you. I, I, I like to say one is a, um, one is a strategy. The other one is a weapon. Mm. And so, you know, therapy is the strategy, prayer is the weapon. And you put both of them together, but I do believe in having that place, that safe place to go talk to someone. Douglas, tell me your experience with with therapy and why you felt um, it was important for you to get therapy, and what was that driving force that said, "Let me put my pride aside, let me put what I know from generational talk aside, and let me get the help I need." Well, for me, it was. Um... It was post-military, um, multiple deployments, back to back to back. And uh, you're taught to, you know, uh, being in the military, suck it up and drive on, which mm -hmm. in a, you know, more of a psychological fashion, just, you know, push it down, 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 down and focus on what you have in front of you. Mm -hmm. But at some point, what you push down will come back up. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to uh, effectively unpack everything that you were dealing with. So I was dealing with anxiety. I was dealing with depression. I was dealing with post-traumatic stress from things that I've seen, um, you know, uh, deployed and overseas and things like that. Then, you know, still got to come back home, still be the husband, you know, still be the dad, still be that, you know, that man that's holding his family on his shoulders, still being that person to make things happen. And so at, you know, at one particular point, all of it just start to unconsciously just start to unpack itself. Mm. You know, I'm just quickly, quickly angry. Uh, things that would set mm -hmm. me off, just that mm -hmm. would just set me off. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, even talking with, you know, even conversations with my wife, if something just sounded left, I went left, you mm -hmm. know, things like that. So uh, to the vicious point, I started seeing the damage of what of what I was doing and the behavior being displayed that was causing the damage mm -hmm. at that point is when i said you know what enough's enough man i you know some i gotta change something mm -hmm. so i'm gonna start with me and um you know my first experience uh it it, it was terrible mm -hmm. it, it was terrible because i ran across a person who looked at me as a number rather than a person you looked mm -hmm. at me as a as a as a project rather than people mm -hmm. and then on top of that when i started unpacking some black man problems you 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 didn't know which way to go when i started well you know it's okay let us in this and then and then i started laying it on you 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 couldn't handle it so i immediately shut down and mm -hmm. this person you know who was professional enough at that point was like you know what 
what you have, we have, we have a therapist who I'm going to refer you to who, who deals in the exact same things that you just unpacked. Is it all right if I refer you to this person? Cause we want to keep you in therapy. And I see that we've only as gone as far as that is I, I can take you. Mm-hmm. So I, I appreciated the professional handoff and uh, the therapist got me with a, you know, with another, uh, with a psychiatrist. And he was like, hey, I've been in your shoes. I know where you've been. Hey, I'm a psychiatrist. Lay it on me. Then I laid it on him. He was like, you got PTSD, dude, but here's how we're going to unpack that. And he started giving me homework, started giving me different things to think about uh, at that particular time. And we would just talk. And to uh, what the bishop was saying, uh, there's one thing that that you brought out that also uh, resonated when I was going through those times. Of, uh, of therapy is called positive regard. Mm-hmm. Positive regard is I'm not going to judge you. So that in a sense creates trust. Mm-hmm. He was like, I'm not going to judge you. He said, if, if one plus one is five, that's fine with me because that's what you feel. That's what you believe. It's all right that you're getting it out there. We, you know, we, and let's talk about why do you believe one plus one is five mm-hmm. what brought you to that point? You know, okay, now let's work through it. You know, mm-hmm. And so actually finding a good fit and actually trusting the person who, um, you know, they they made themselves vulnerable to a degree to where I can make myself vulnerable. Then it was it was a simultaneous exchange mm-hmm. Not that the therapy was therapist was telling me all of their business, but they able they were able to be human enough to understand that I'm human. Right. All right. Now, let you know, now let's let's get to work. And, and so. That was one of the things that the experiences that I had. Mm-hmm. I think what I like that both of you said was that you were able to, that first therapist didn't work for you and it was okay to find somebody else. So I would say to any, any person in any man who is seeking therapy and you go to a person and the first one doesn't work, don't stop. Try somebody else. Find somebody until you find that, that fit for you because not every therapist fits for everybody. And no. that's the one thing I tell clients when they come to me, you know, after this first session, I'm OK if you feel like I'm not the fit for you. My goal is for you to get the help you need. And if that's with me, that's fine. If that's with somebody else, that's fine. So don't be afraid to um, if you were going to a doctor and they weren't treating your medical conditions, you know, to get you well, you would go to a new doctor. You would get that second opinion. And so it's the same thing with therapy. Don't let that one um, bad experience stop you from getting the help you need. Um, go seek someone else out. How do you got both and either one of you can answer this. How do you think we um, begin to normalize therapy for men? Uh, you know, we talked earlier about the stigma. We talked earlier about, you know, the titles that that men carry. They have to, you know, be all of these things to all people at all times. And so sometimes those titles become a hiding place. Um, I can hide behind whatever my title is and I don't deal with oh, my good. issues. Oh, that's good. That's Go good. ahead, Bishop. Talk to oh, it. That's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, there are a lot of people. Um, are we Now, before I say this, are we talking about the church? Or are we just talking about it in general? I'm talking whatever title you have experience with or you know about that you can talk about. Okay. All right. Well, a lot of people um, 
in the church because that's my area of expertise and I've been in it all my life and I've seen everything from the good, the bad to the ugly. Mm -hmm. um, are narcissists. Mm. They are, they have a very hard, they want to be in control of their lives. They want to be in control of everybody else's lives. You can't tell them anything because I'm the bishop, I'm the apostle, I'm the prophet, I'm the evangelist, I'm God's chosen anointed. Yeah, well, you may be God's chosen anointed, but you are clinically certified crazy and you need <laughs> medication and you need therapy. And we all know it, but because of your title, we consider, mm -hmm. we continue to sit under your abuse. Mm. We can sit, we can sit, we continue to sit under your abuse and al allow you to parade your sick self mm. um, around because we want to honor you as the man or woman of God, but not realizing that 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 the damage that you are creating is not worth what you're giving. Wow. And if we really loved you, we would make you get the help that you need. That's why I believe that if you are going to be a man or woman of God with any kind of title, if God really called you to be an apostle or prophet or whatever, your first ministry is to yourself to mm. make sure that you are mentally healthy to lead people and that you yourself aren't sick in the mind, that you need help, that you need treatment. Because I know a particular person, I won't call their name, but nor will I mention, you know, I'm not going to throw stones, but they have a history of abuse uh, in their ministry, and they have a history of abuse, of abusing people verbally, abusing people, even sexually. And mm. so this particular person has never been called on their foolishness and made to um, and made to give any type of accountability for what they've done. So people with titles, just be, you know, I've seen it in the church too often times, people with positions and titles and, and power. Um, unchecked power corrupts. Yes. You know? and, and, and I think the first thing that we need to do as leaders is to make sure that before I give this person the title, are they mentally stable? Mm. I would are say for, mentally stable? Yeah, I would you, say for me with the, with the question is, to any men that are listening, don't get so lost in what you do that you forget who you are. Mm. Right. And with all of the the hats that we got to carry that make us so multifunctional, the problem solver, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, mm -hmm. the foundation, you know, the pillar, the left arm, the right arm, you know, you you're going to wear out. And therapy is not is not a last resort. You can also use therapy as maintenance. Yes. Self-care, yes. just like um, physical fitness, mm -hmm. maintenance for the body, therapy, maintenance for the mind. We take our cars to get maintenance. Our mm -hmm. homes, if you're a homeowner, you get maintenance from time to time. That's why you have homeowner's insurance. So the same thing can be done uh, with mental health. Mental health doesn't mean that you're crazy. Mm -hmm. Mental health is to keep the mind healthy mentally. But the stigma is it's a last resort before you go crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when all of us are crazy anyway. It's just, you know, I think TD Jake said your type of crazy mixed with my type of crazy. Now we all crazy, you know. You crazy. Right, right. But I mean, everybody has their own battles to fight, but don't get so lost into what you do that you lose who you are, because then when you actually 
run into, you know, run into a situation that's going to make you vulnerable. The weight of everything that you do and you're lost in that, it could come crashing down on you. And then that's when you break down and really need help. So don't get so lost in what you do that you lose who you are. Mm-hmm. Mental health is also a form of mental maintenance. Yeah. I like that you call it self-care because it is self-care. And people, I, I think, too, with you know, working through the stigma of therapy is taking away that stigma that you have to lay on somebody's couch and they're going to psychoanalyze you and, you know, you ask you all these questions while you're laying there. It is it when we take away some of the, the historical stigmas, you know, about therapy, it makes therapy more friendly. Um, right. Right. For me, that, you know, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, no. When I, I remember when my first session, um, she prepared me for my first session. She said, now, I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. Mm hmm. And um, I need you to be open and honest with me. And I need to you to answer those questions from a personal perspective and not who you think I, mm-hmm. not who you want me to perceive you to be, mm-hmm. but the truth of what that truth really is. Mm-hmm. And that within itself just let, just released all of this pressure for me. So our one hour session turned into an hour and 45 minutes. Wow. Cause I was just able to unload, mm-hmm. you know, I was able to be, uh, John, mm-hmm. you know, because you're right, uh, men in power, men in positions, particularly black men, um, we don't have an outlet of vulnerability mm-hmm. that allows us to maintain our self care, mm-hmm. maintain the separate. You know, you hear about pastors who, like you said, commit suicide, or men who, um, for me, um, I had to deal with rejection and abandonment. Mm. Um, and I found out that I had an issue with women who I who I was in love with or in a relationship with that I felt like rejected me or abandoned me. It, it, caused, it caused me to um, start exhibiting behaviors that were not good that mm-hmm. ultimately caused the relationship or, and or marriage to falter and to ultimately you know end or whatever. But it wasn't until I went to therapy and I was able to go and deal and deal with those emotions and the seat and the root of where it came from. But I had to have a safe place. And even and um, uh, I believe, yes, you I, I still see my therapist. Mm-hmm. I still it's not not as often. I was seeing her every week, uh, but mm-hmm. I still see her now. And, and, and it's good. And sometimes you need to step back and do some what we call PDW uh, in, in my church, personal development work. Uh, to make sure that you're healthy mm-hmm. mentally, that you're stable and able and, and not reacting uh, more than you are being proactive about your health and mm-hmm. managing your communication and how you deal with others. Because a lot of times if you pay attention to how people talk and how they deal with people in relationships, if if you can if you've been around people long enough, you notice when something is just something's not right. 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 I have family members, close family members who I love and I respect, but they need therapy. Mm-hmm. They need counseling. They, right. with, as anointed as they are, as mm-hmm. chosen as they are, they they have they need a they need help mm-hmm. because of all of the mental trauma and all of the things they've gone through, even as children, uh, the abuse that they uh, received at the hands of relatives, physical abuse, emotional mm-hmm. abuse, verbal abuse, and even now, even even in their fifties and their sixties, you can't tell them that they're not okay. Mm. Because they believe they created this lifestyle 
that makes them comfortable in who they are and who they have become. And, you know, I just sit and listen to them and pray for them. And uh, you've got to first break that barrier. Sometimes that's the hardest thing to do is just get people yeah. to understand that you need to, you need to go talk to, you need to go talk to and see someone. And that's yeah. all I don't need. All I need is Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus can't help me. Nobody can help me. Well, Jesus is trying to help you because oh. he put doctors here and yeah. therapists here because he knew that you were crazy and you needed to help. You know, <laughs> he just told me you were crazy. Yeah. Right. Wow. I'm so sorry. Maybe, you know, well, well that's how I think about myself. You know, I'm just, I apologize if I'm not supposed to use that, that language. No, it's, it's understandable. I mean, the Bible also says that wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, so, get wisdom. Get also, wisdom. When, you think, when you think about therapy, uh, for those who, you know, are watching, therapy is also a learning experience. Learning experience the whole time. So I'm you're learning. learning. You can also learn uh, different techniques. You're not mm -hmm. also learning different behaviors that got you to where you're got you to mm -hmm. where you are. You're mm -hmm. learning techniques to get you from where you are for actual self-actualization and normalization. You're learning different techniques and small things that you can take home and, and actually practice at home and pass on to a family member. Not like you being a therapist to your family member, but hey, this is what I learned in therapy. Mm -hmm. you know, this is and this is what works for me, you know. Um, so try it, check it out, see if it works. Yeah, one of the Let's things my therapist, therapist. One of the things my therapist did, she did the same thing for me. She told she she walked me through a day in my life, a week in my life, a month in my life, and and walked me through how I should take time for myself every day, uh, whether that's exercising, going to the gym, meditation, whatever, to kind of decompress and um, take care of myself, and not always be available to people. And a lot of times when you're in ministry and when you're in leadership, you always have to be available. I was on the phone last night. I believe it was after 11 o'clock praying for somebody who was going through something with their mother who was a thousand miles away in Indiana. And I don't even know why I picked up the phone. Normally my phone is on do not disturb after 10 o'clock. But this time this phone call came through. But it just it just shows that leaders, you have to have a checkout. Mm -hmm. You have to have a time when you can cut off the light cut the switch out, you know, mm -hmm. and just be okay with right. not being available right. and loving yourself and taking care of yourself. Absolutely. And I struggle with that. We did, a, we did a, um, a live a couple of, about a week or so ago about self-care. And most of the time when we talk about self-care, people think women, but self-care is for anybody you know, that's a part of your mental health treatment when you like, like Bishop said, when you can cut everything off and you can just be human, just be the person, the titles are gone, the expectations are gone. The, you know, the I need you's are gone. It's just that you just taking that time to just say, let me just sit here and have a moment mm. to turn the lights out. Let me let me just shut it all down. Let my mind, your mind actually needs time to recoup. It needs time to to detox and wash away some stuff um, and just and just become renewed again. And that needs to happen often. We you know, with my clients, I have my clients put self-care on the calendar and they have to show me their calendar where where they mark out self-care. I don't care if it's an hour a week, but it has to be time that you take for yourself mm -hmm. and 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 like like one of you said earlier that going to therapy that's self-care 
that's self-care. I have people who come to therapy once a month and it's just that moment where they can talk about, you know, how the month has been, you know, they can, sometimes I don't say anything. It's just a space for them to reflect and to be genuine and vulnerable and all of that stuff. And sometimes at the end of that time of talking, they come up with their own solutions. They come up with their own things of what they need to do and how they need to go for the next month. So it is a type therapy is a type of self-care. One of the things I think about when I think about men and the, and the need for therapy is men being um, open about their emotions that they do hurt. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. Hurt. absolutely. hurt you. Um, relationships cause hurt Absolutely. and pain. things that that's painful to you. Pain is pain. Talk to talk to men about you know it's okay that you hurt that that doesn't make you weak because you hurt doesn't make you less of a man because you hurt you're human and humans hurt. Talk a little bit about that. Well, that's how we're built. We're built off pain. Pain is a part of the human experience. You're going to hurt. The problem is is that we take in the hurt and internalize it. And then we end up hurting someone else in the right. process over time. Right. So it's how to process that hurt in a, in a constructive space to where you don't cause damage from the pain that you have received. Right. And for me, that was the, I was the exact opposite of that mm. because I was hurting based upon past experiences. Mm -hmm. And I had created a cycle of hurt. Right. Right. So I it, felt like if I'm hurting, everybody else gonna feel this pain, mm. and, and it really doesn't matter who it is. Long as I'm hurting, everybody's gonna hurt until one until one situation hurt me so bad. I said, "Wait a minute, this is a whole nother type of pain." <laughs> I the bishop was sick. I was I was utterly devastated. I was I was a broken man, and I was hurting, and I had never experienced that type of emotional hurting, excuse me, emotional pain and brokenness before in my life. Mm -hmm. And I almost lost it. Literally, I could not get my mind together. I was on the verge of having a nervous breakdown. And I finally realized, hey, this is not healthy. And I need to go and see someone, which that was the instance in the moment that I decided to go uh, to go get therapy mm -hmm. and go talk to someone who could help me. It wasn't about the person that hurt me. It wasn't about the situation. It was totally about me because I also understood that I can't go to therapy for somebody else. I've got to go to therapy right. for me. Right. Because I wasn't going to be committed to it. I wasn't going to do the homework. I wasn't going to continue to go to the two. I wasn't going to be accountable to, to this woman. You know what? Mm -hmm. Like everybody else, I got to talk to you. But mm -hmm. no, when I realized that I didn't want to hurt anymore, I didn't want to cry anymore, I didn't want to hurt anybody anymore, but I wanted to have a life of peace mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. That's good. Yeah. So, you know, this has been been good in, in talking about men in therapy. As we wrap this up, what uh, what is some advice you would give men in seeking therapy and being willing to be vulnerable and seek out that person and that safe place where they can mm -hmm. work through some emotional trauma, some past trauma, even some present trauma thing? You know, we're dealing you guys, are, we all are dealing with a lot with with jobs and finances and COVID and all of loss and all of this stuff. What is some advice or some encouraging words or some tips you would give guys to encourage them to seek therapy, to seek help? Don't give up. I understand your pain. I may not have been 
in the same boat, but we all in the same ocean. Mm. I know what it's like to be knocked down. I know what it's like uh, to where everybody depends on you. But then when when you're back up against the wall, you feel like there's nobody that you can depend on. So you can continue. You continue to depend on yourself and then depending on yourself, you're letting down yourself and you exert it out on the people that you love. Been down that road. At some point, where is it going to end? And I think that's what we have to, as men, take a look at. It's going to, it's, it's going to end somewhere. How it's going to end is up to you. And uh, it, it was just a quote that, you know, I put in a few days ago, Zig Ziglar. If you refuse to learn, nobody can help you. But if you're determined to learn, nobody can stop you. So when it comes to therapy, mental health as men and the strength needing support, I think this is a good form to say that, hey, we, we know what you're going through. I understand as a husband, as a father, as a leader, I totally understand. Now it's time to take the Superman cape off because even Superman had kryptonite. Mm-hmm. He had kryptonite and he had to stay away from it. So I think it's time to take off the Superman cape and get the help that you need. And I think one of the barriers, I'm going to take the gloves off here. Some of us as black men don't want to go to a black woman, to a black therapist. That's a black woman. I'm going to go ahead and take the gloves off. Okay. So if that's your thing, then you need to find you a therapist, man to man, that can resonate with what it is that you're going through. But don't let your bias be a means for you not to get mental health. And it's the same thing with women. I don't trust a man. I don't trust a man. So I'm not going to go to a therapist that's as a man. Okay, fine. Find a female therapist, but find a therapist that fits the dynamic of the situation that you're dealing with and get the help that you need. Do not let your biases keep you from getting to where you know you need to go. That's what I would say. That's good. Bishop? Um, I would say that we have to care enough about ourselves first. Uh, and make sure that you love yourself enough to know and get the help that you need. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't love me first, then I can't love anybody else. Right. And all of my relationships and all of my contacts, whether it be business or interpersonal or whatever, are going to be based upon something that is not pure. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to love myself enough to get the help I needed. I had to make the first steps and it had to be totally about me and nobody else. It couldn't be about me talking about the other person. It had to be about me getting the help that John needed, not mm-hmm. the bishop, but John. Because mm-hmm. I was the bishop, but I was John, but John was a mess. You know, and so you got to love yourself enough to, to get the help you need and, and go and trust the process. Trust the process. You know, submit yourself to the therapist. If once you find whoever that person is, trust Trust them that they're not out there to get you. They're not secretly recording what you're saying to, right. to put you out there. They just they're there to help you. Right. Trust and love and trust yourself and trust your therapist and go through the process and get the help you need and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. However, however long that takes and whatever that looks like, trust it. Yeah, it's a huge I, step to be vulnerable, but it's yeah. worth it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Anybody that's watching this. And you may watch it today and go back and watch it later. But you, if you need therapy, go get it. Mm-hmm. 
Black men, go get therapy. Men, go get therapy. I promise you, when you get through with the therapy, you're going to find yourself loving yourself. You're going to see things different, differently. You're going to see relationships differently. You're going to handle people differently. You're going to talk differently. You're going to think differently. You're going to make decisions differently because now you're no longer looking through the lens of your brokenness. Hmm. But you're exactly. looking and you're making decisions through a, a, a whole mind, a whole hmm. mindset. So... Yeah. Wow. I'm going to take off one more glove, uh, Dr. Mm -hmm. And for those who are actually there right now, start with Dr. Ann Cares. Go to her Facebook page. Go to her website. Start with her and, let, and, and, and task her. Put her to work to help you find what it is that you need. That's what she oh, does. Absolutely. That's what she does. Absolutely. Stay away from these unqualified, I'm going to say it, these unqualified, unlicensed YouTube life coaches who tried to give you something that qualified, educated, state licensed, certified, tried in the fire, three thousand clinical hours are doing. <laughs> Stay away from them. That's it, man. I, that I is, see, that I is see it. it all. I see it every time I come across people like that. I always refer them to qualified, licensed professionals. Not YouTubers sitting in the back of their cars trying to give you a diagnosis because anybody in this profession knows that any psychologist or therapist work they saw cannot give you a diagnosis by watching a video. It don't work that way. It don't work that way. So start with Dr. Ann Cares. I promise you, you'll start on the right track. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you guys um, so much for having this conversation with me. I couldn't think of two better people to have it with. I like want to say that I, I like that you brought up the two words, vulnerability and process. It is a process. It does not happen overnight, but it happens with the with you being vulnerable and you being consistent with it. Um, and so, you know, yes, absolutely. Anybody that wants to, you know, reach out and find out more about therapy, start with Dr. Ann Cares. Our office number is 912 349-0030. You can reach out to me. You don't have to use me for a therapist. I can guide you. I refer people all the time to what they need. But also people may, guys may not reach out to me. They may want to reach out to another man. So each one of you, um, Douglas, how can a man reach you if he wanted to talk with you to move forward with getting some help? You can go to, uh, you can go to my Facebook page. It's Douglas Lapsley. Um, and um, on, I'm right there on Facebook, Douglas Lapsley. Can't miss it. Okay. And you, Bishop? Um, you can go to my Facebook page. My Facebook page is J. Um, David Wallace. It's not Bishop Wallace. It's J. David Wallace. You can find me on Facebook or you can go to my website at www.jdwallace.org. You can send us an email, contact me, uh, come directly to me and we can talk. Well, wonderful, wonderful. I absolutely hope some men will watch this video and reach out and get the help you need. It doesn't make you less of a man. It doesn't make you weak. It just says that you're human and you're having a moment that you need some intervention and it's absolutely okay. Uh, Douglas and Bishop John, I look forward to having more conversations where we absolutely. talk to men about help in all kinds of areas, relationship, work, all kinds of things. So I look forward to our future conversations. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Watch the video, like the video, share the video. If you know a man that you need to encourage to get help, please do so. We need to be encouraging our men to do what they need to do for self-care. 
just as we encourage our women. Have a great evening. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And God bless you. God bless you. Have a good weekend, everyone. God bless you.